It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. This is Stuart Crawford coming to you from Calgary, Alberta, Canada, and Happy New Year. Welcome to our first show of the new year for Small Business IT Radio. This show is for IT professionals and anybody else who happens to be listening on Blog Talk Radio who wants to learn more about the business of being in business with IT and running a business, and we touch on all different types of topics, uh, some technical and some not-so-technical, and today's one of those not-so-technical conversations, but it's very important to our lifestyles, and the businesses that we run and that we proudly own and the clients that we take care of. Today I am joined by Raymond Aaron, and Raymond is somebody that I had the privilege of seeing speak live in Calgary, I would say probably a couple months ago, maybe October time frame, he was through town on a tour with the Learning Annex, and he spoke that day about uh, different topics, uh, some of them we'll get into today, but really what moved me on that day was the whole attraction and what we think of and that's what we get more of and I find ourselves as IT professionals sometimes we're just thinking about the wrong things and getting and we're getting more of those wrong things so today we're going to talk about a, a wide range of topics uh, with Raymond so I'd like to welcome Mr. Raymond Aaron to our program uh, this morning welcome Raymond and how are things uh, with you today well I'm so honored to be in your program Stuart I'm in Toronto right now I'd rather be in Calgary with some Chinooks warming me up but uh, it's below zero here, but I'm, I'm warmed by being on your show. Well, thank you very much, Raymond. Yeah, there's a nice little Chinook coming through town today. It's, it's, it's very refreshing. Now, you were with the Learning Annex back in October coming through town, and uh, it was one of those great things. I think you actually posted a reply on my blog site that, from my uh, experience that day, uh, on that Saturday when you were speaking, a Saturday afternoon. For those people who are not aware who Raymond Aaron is, Maybe give us a brief introduction of who you are and you know where you started at and where you're at today and what that journey looked like. Well, I was born in Canada. I've lived in Canada all my life, but I now help fellow Canadians, fellow Americans, and people all over the world double their income doing what they love. I graduated as a physicist and mathematician, but I never used that. I actually uh, went into different businesses, all of which failed, and I had no idea why I was doing all that. And I realized 17 years later after graduation that the purpose of all that was so that I could learn how business works and how business doesn't work, how money works and how money doesn't work, so that I could be a mentor to many people around the world and dramatically help them improve their life so that they don't have to learn from their own mistakes. They can, they can fast forward by learning from the wisdom that I've created from all the mistakes I've done for them. And you have a program that people subscribe to, which I'm a member of, and uh, look forward to digging in a little deeper on that as uh, my journey uh, progresses here. One of the things that touched me that day, Raymond, when you talked to us in Calgary, and by the way, before we dig into that, I want to just introduce, uh, let everybody know the call-in number if you want to ask Raymond a question, uh, and you're listening live on Blog Talk Radio. It's area code 646-716-8372. That's the dial-in number. 
If you get on hold there, just wait, and we'll get on to your uh, call as soon as we have an opportunity to. So when you were here, Raymond, on that, uh, that Saturday afternoon, you told us a story that kind of hit me right in the chest because I'm that age right now that you went through when you were 38, uh, going through your journey uh, about uh, you were, I think you were a little bit of debt, little bit of debt accumulated, and you wanted to get out of that. And I think you're, the person presenting from the stage that day singled you out and uh, worked with you uh, uh, to help you get out of that uh, maybe that rut you were in. Can you tell us a little about that uh, that experience? All right. I was 39 years old, and I was fat. I was sick. I lost my job. My wife was so disappointed in me, and and on top of all those failures, I had no plan to improve my future. I didn't know what on earth to do. She left me. I couldn't make my child support payments, which is actually illegal in Canada and the United States and hopefully every country in the world. But it's not that I was a bad person. It's rather that I was, I was over $100,000 in debt. I had no income. I was drowning in interest payments with no hope and no job and sick and overweight, I crawled into the bed in the basement of my parents' home hoping my life would go away. I was just the saddest, destitute, broke, just worse than broke, horridly in debt person you could ever imagine. Someone dragged me to a meeting that I didn't want to go to. The person giving the speech said he was a mentor. I said, so big deal. And he said he only takes very few people into his program so he can do a blessed job for the people who get in. And I said, yes, so what, love leaves me out. And he noticed me in the back of the room, just like you remembered, and offered to work with me. Well, I didn't want to work with him. I just thought my life was over. But he started asking me some questions that really moved me. He said, what's your biggest goal? I said, biggest goal? I don't even have a goal. I I mean, I'd like to get out of debt, but... When I was working, I went deeper into debt. So now that I'm not working and I'm drowning in interest payments, it's not even possible even as a goal or a wish or a hope or a dream. And he said to me, fine, I'll help you get out of debt if you're serious. And I just snapped to and said, okay, if you can do that, I can change my life. And I'll tell you more than what I said on stage so that you and your listeners through this IT radio can get a deeper insight uh, than I was able to say on stage. Does that work for you? Go ahead, yeah. It's all yours. Okay, great. Well, he said to me, how did you get into debt? And I said, well, you know, I had a certain amount of consumer debt, but then on top of that, I got into a, a bad deal, and there was a lawsuit, and I hired a really nice lawyer, an even-handed lawyer, because I wanted to be honorable, and the other guy hired a real, a real horrible, ugly lawyer, a very, very nasty, street fighter, dirty fingernail kind of guy. And he won. He won real bad. And I was completely wiped out. I, I just had nothing. And on top of that, I landed up over $100,000 in debt. And I told him that story, and he said, I'm sorry, I can't help you get out of debt. And I said, what? You just told me you could. And he said, not when you keep that story. And I had no idea what he's talking about. I said, story? Who cares about story? I'm $100,000 in debt. Get me out. And he said, how does this story sound to you? Pretend you're at a party and you say something like this. 
that guy was terrible and his lawyer was even worse, and they got me into $100,000 of debt because he was so terrible, and it might take me my whole lifetime to get out of it. It's just horrible. I said, yeah, that's my story. It's kind of the blame game, right? Keep your debt. Otherwise, the story doesn't work. And I still didn't know what he was talking about. So he said, okay, try this story. That guy was terrible, and his lawyer was even worse, and they landed me $100,000 in debt, and I got out easily in less than a year. I said, no, that story doesn't work. There's no juice in that story. I'm not going to get any sympathy from that story. That story sucks. He said, you see, if you want the story, you have to keep your debt. And suddenly I got it. And do you understand what I'm saying, Stuart? Oh, 100% I do, yeah. yeah. First you're playing so, in the kind of the blaming role and blaming everybody else for the circumstances. And the second story kind of took ownership of, of for the issue that you're in and actually uh, uh, pictured yourself as uh, being debt-free. That's right. And so as long as I liked the victim's story, I had to stay a victim, which means I had to stay in debt. And if I wanted to take responsibility, that is getting out of debt, I had to let go of that story. And I fought it, Stuart. Like, I wanted to get out of debt but still stay a victim. Come on, let me still kind of roll around in the muck and just get me out of debt on the side. He said, there's no such thing as on the side. There's only right in the middle. And right in the middle, you're a victim, a true blue victim. And this is the first time I ever had a hint of what we now call the secret or the law of attraction. I was attracting debt, or at least I was keeping my debt, because I was promoting it so much. I was reveling in it so much. And he asked me, he not asked me, he demanded that I go see a counselor. So I, I used the spiritual path that I follow, and I used a counselor that I love going to. And with the two of them together, I actually healed my relationship with this person that I was in the lawsuit with. I let go of my anger towards the lawyer, and I let go of my need to tell that delicious story about how bad life was to me. And when I told my mentor that I'd done that, he says, prove it to me. Go to that guy and give him a hug. And I did. And he accepted it, and it was over. He said, fine, now I can help you. And that's a great story, Raymond. That's a, you know, it's wonderful because I see that all the time in our, even in our IT businesses that many of our uh, listeners and subscribers to this program run, they're always blaming, you know, if it's, you know, a client's fault or you know what, I, there was a traffic jam. There's always seemed to be a victim statement and not taking the, uh, the ownership to what the challenges are that that confront them. And of course, your uh, your particular story you're telling here was a challenge at the time, and you just framed it in a different uh with a different mindset and of course in uh and tackled it with relatively you know as it stands now if i look back it was you know with ease and i reflect back to my military basic training you know it was not the best place to be at the time but looking back 20 years it was one of the most pleasurable experiences i had so it's and we're kind of on the same track here yes absolutely absolutely and interestingly i'll go a little further if you want on the story because I suspect that some of your listeners also have debt and also don't want it. Go ahead. And and here's what here's what happened. Not only would he refuse to take me until I put my mind in the right place, but once I put my mind in the right place, the only thing he taught me was about my mind. He didn't tell me anything about money. Like I figured this guy would help me get out of debt by helping me get out of debt. 
Like I thought he would give me financial advice. I thought he would do the old don't go to Starbucks, you know, the latte factor business. He didn't teach me any of that. Everything he taught me was only in my mind. And Stuart, within one year, my debt dropped from over a, over $100,000 to almost nothing. So it was just like a few thousand dollars. It was almost nothing. And I said, great, it's done, yippee. And I stopped using the procedure that he had told me. And that last few thousand dollars persisted for three more months until I put my eye back on the ball and it went away immediately. And so it's only in the mind. I'm going to tell you a couple of the things that he told me. Go ahead. what he said. The reason I can keep my debt is because nobody knows. So if I see the latest iPod, if I see a new Mac computer that's just come out and I really like it and I want to sell my old one on eBay and buy a new Mac, or if I see a new suit that I like, and even if I'm in debt but I've got some room on my credit card, well, if I buy it, I kind of need a suit, you know, I can always justify that delicious expense. He said, the reason you can keep staying in debt is because nobody knows. So he says, I want you, and I was sitting right in front of him, he says, I want you to write down 10 people who are the worst people in the whole world, as far as you're concerned, to know what your debt is. I said, well, number one, my bank manager. Because if she knows the debt I'm in, because some of the debt was personal, was to friends and to my parents that wasn't listed anywhere in any credit reporting bureau. So if she knew, oh, that would be terrible. And I sure don't want my parents to know because they'll panic. They'll want to sell their retirement savings bonds and give them to me. Like, they'll panic. Well, I, of course, don't want my staff to know. They'll think that we're going to go bankrupt. I mean, I listed the people that just absolutely I would never tell, including two or three of my dearest friends who had no idea I was in such bad debt. They knew I was unemployed, but they didn't know I was in such horrible debt. So I listed them, and he said, fine, on the last day of every month, you must write a letter, not an email, an actual typed letter that you, that you reproduce, sign, fold, put in an envelope, handwrite the address on, put a real postage stamp on, and put in the mail on the last day of every month to those 10 people. There was actually about 12 or 15, as I recall now. And I said, well, what do you want me to say to them each month? He said, you write them a statement of your debt. So the very first month, It'll say, my debt is a total of $107,000.62 or something like that, comprised of 7213 to my mother, 4000 to the, my bank card, 2000 to my car loan, whatever. Like Add it all up and show exactly what it is and state what it is that you're going to do next month to reduce the debt. And then on the last day of the next month, you have to enclose that letter with your new letter so people can read your previous month's letter and you have to state of the things that you said you would do, did you do them? You have to go point by point through every one that you said you would do and state what you did and state what your new itemized debt level is and how much it went down. And I said, well, if I do that, my gosh, if my debt stays the same or go up, they'll think I'm a moron. He says, you got it. It's all in your mind. And Stuart, every day, every time I had an impulse to buy something, every time I took my wallet out, I imagined myself saying, 
dearest friends, my debt went up because I bought an extra iPod, I bought a Mac computer, I, I bought some extra gadgets, I bought a suit. And they would, they would, I imagine them phoning me and saying, what are you, a moron? And I just couldn't do those impulses any longer. And my debt went down. Not just went down, my debt went down for the first time in my life. My debt had been going up every month since I started working. And my debt started to go down. I started to feel great. My friends started phoning me when the letters arrived and said, congratulations, wow, your debt's down $6,000, $3,000, $19,000. Wow, congratulations. I just started doing everything I could to make those letters look good. And in one year, it was down to almost zero. And in 15 months, it was zero. And it was, had nothing to do with financial knowledge, financial training, latte factor, nothing. It had to do with my mind. It was the law of attraction. That's a, that's a wonderful story, Raymond. And, you know, a lot of times we find that the, that the mind is, I, you know, if, it, my, if some days I wonder if my mind was my best or was, my, my mind would never be my best friend. It was all, it seemed to be a bitter enemy, really, uh, in the, I've been through a bit of a transformation over the last little while too. I've, I, you know, working with your program and a few others that I've been in, and watching The Secret and all those things, I've become a more aware of my surroundings and how my mind uh, works in my business and my personal life. You know, even a year ago, I was I was a mess too. Uh, my mind was my worst enemy. It was you know, it would never be my best friend. And I'm kind of hearing that in the same story for you until you had that that intervention from that one mentor of yours. Yes, and the biggest thing I learned is that everyone needs a mentor, every single person. And maybe some of your listeners are listening right now saying, yeah, well, I don't have a mentor, so ha-ha, you're wrong. Well, I'm not saying you need it to survive, like you can get oxygen on your own, but to thrive you need a mentor. Because let's think of it this way. Can you imagine a team, the Calgary Flames, or any team, any professional ball team, hockey, basketball, football, soccer, anything, can you imagine a team deciding whether or not they're going to have a coach next year? No team would do that. No athlete would do that. When the Olympics were in Calgary and when the Olympics are coming up in China and in, in Vancouver, any time there's an Olympics, Every single athlete brings their coach. Every team in every sport, in both genders, in all age groups has a coach. What is it that they know? Why does every singer have a coach? Why do people who know they have to thrive have a coach and people who struggle don't have a coach and mentor? It's because we were never taught that. And why were we never taught that? Because we learned our biggest life lessons when we were little from two sources. Number one, mommy and daddy, and then a little later, number two, teachers. Well, I'm a teacher, so I'm not putting teachers down, but teachers in the school system are broke government employees. I'm not putting them down. I don't want you to hear I'm putting them down. I'm just stating a reality. They are broke government employees, and broke government employees typically don't have mentors, and your parents probably didn't have mentors. Well, if the two biggest sources of information, the most impactful sources of information for your entire life up to puberty or so, never use mentors, then don't expect you to know anything about it. And as a result, people don't. People don't set out in life and say, okay, 
I'll get me a mentor and then I'll get a job. Or I'll get me a mentor and that'll help me choose a, a husband or wife properly. I'll get me a mentor and I'll know how to train properly for this event that I'm doing. I'll get me a mentor and I'll know how to get out of debt or save money. Nobody thinks of that. They just wake up at age 65 having not saved a dime and wonder what happened. Because they don't get mentors. They just do the dailiness of life and life kind of slips by, and then major things that they were supposed to be doing, they're not doing, and they suffer. Now, Tiger Woods is the best golfer, I think, to ever play the game. Some may argue that fact with me. What I've learned about Tiger Woods is that he has a mentor or a coach for every part of the game, one for chipping, one for putting, hey, one for uh, you know helping him with the the personal side of his business, one for helping him with getting his, uh, you know, his clothing deals lined up with uh, Nike and his car deals lined up with Buick. Look at Tiger Woods, probably the, you know, he's independently wealthy. He's got a good cash flow happening. What does he have that many of us in the in the small business IT world uh, don't have? Is he's got a mentor for every part of his uh, every part of his business. So uh, if Tiger Woods is doing it question is why are the majority of the population not doing it? And Raymond, in your, your opinion, you're, you run a monthly mentor program. What is some of the pushback that you see from a lot of people that you know, say, I just don't need a mentor? Oh, it's the same all the time, Stuart. I don't have the money, I don't have the time, I don't believe you, and I don't have spousal approval. Those are the four. It's the same four all the time. People think they're being creative or they think they have their own issues. It's only four. I don't believe you, I don't have the money, I don't have the time, I don't have spousal approval. That's it. And I can go through each one of them. Spousal approval, give me a break. Do you think your spouse actually wants you to be broke and in debt and when you train get injured? Do you think your spouse wants that? Let's talk about skeptical. If you're skeptical of how a mentor can help you, look at how badly you're running your own life. And I'm not putting anybody down, I'm just saying... Do you have messes in your garage, your basement? Do you carry dead keys around in your keychain? Is your car a mess? Are you embarrassed about certain things? Have you, do you not acknowledge people enough? Do you not thank people? Are there things you haven't returned that you promised to return? Are there things, do you show up late? I mean, there's a whole host of things that you do that you're not proud of because nobody's taught you how to behave properly. And, and then you're skeptical about me. Well, heck, if if somebody was teaching you how to do what you're currently doing, I'd be skeptical of them because they obviously wouldn't be doing a good job. So skeptical doesn't work for me. Spousal approval doesn't work for me. Don't have the time. That's the biggest joke. When you run your life well, you get far more time. You know this nonsense that Bill Gates has the same 24 hours a day that you do? It's not true. It's a silly, it's a silly one-liner. It's not true. I have far more hours in a day than other people because I delegate. What might take you or your listeners a few hours to do might take me a several-second phone call to do because there are people that I know who do certain things for me and it hardly costs me any money at all. And that's one of the things that I teach in the monthly mentor program is delegation. In fact, the joke is that there are things that you personally do and that your listeners through this IT radio program do that take you far more hours to do than someone else can easily and more effortlessly do 
on your behalf. So let's say one of your clients bills his time out at, say, $80 an hour. Let's just use some number. And let's say they do their own income tax. And let's say they're really lousy at doing their own income tax. Let's say they've never taken any courses in tax, which is probably true. Let's say that they are not good in math, which may be true. Let's say they never upgrade their knowledge of the latest tax changes. All they do is they go to the, to the post office, they get a copy of the tax return, they fill out the best they can several hours before midnight on the final day, and then race to the post office and mail it. And all the time they spend agonizing and keeping their receipts in the proverbial shoebox, all that effort and agony is wasted, and their effort at doing their tax return is probably suboptical because they've never taken any good courses. If they had let somebody else do it who was a pro at it, they would have saved many hours of their own effort, much agony, and probably saved taxes. So whatever they got charged, probably they would save in having a more powerful return. So there's an example where instead of doing it yourself and thinking that you're saving money, if somebody else did it and charged you, let's say, $500 but saved you several thousand dollars, then you put out no effort whatsoever, saved all the agony, and saved money. And yet people don't think of delegation whatsoever, and they think they have as much time as me. That's not true. I run five businesses, and yesterday I launched a global nonprofit organization yesterday and that will take up all my time and yet I'm still going to run four businesses each of which should take up all my time on top of that I'm single and I'm dating and looking to find the woman of my dreams which is taking up all my time and I exercise regularly which takes up all my time and I have two spectacular daughters that are three time zones apart and I see them regularly which takes up all my time I'm living like 18 lives per lifetime how do I do all that? Because I have far more time than other people because I know how to delegate because I've got a great mentor. And the fourth objection was don't have the money. And the funny thing is when you are highly mentored and well-mentored, your income goes up, your expenses go down, you delegate the things that you're lousy at, life actually becomes far better for you. So all those objections, don't have the time, don't have the money, I'm skeptical that you can actually help me, and I don't have spousal approval, all of them are just empty. So one of the things, Raymond, we, run, we uh, in the IT space uh, deal with on a daily basis, and I even went through it myself several years ago, was nobody can do the job as good as I can, and we feed all the time. And uh, I think that's uh, where a lot of guys get stuck guys and gals in the small business IT space to get stuck is, first of all, nobody can do the job as, I, as good as I can, so I don't, we don't hire new staff. We don't delegate effectively. And, you know, what would you say to somebody who uh, came up and said, you know what, Raymond, I just don't believe people can do the job as good as I can, so I have to do it myself. Okay. I would say let's be really clear what you mean when you say the job. If you're talking about the center of your core competence, like let's say you're in the IT world and you are a genius in networking or you're a genius in diagnosing problems or you're a genius in some aspect of IT, okay? You don't yeah, yeah. delegate that. That is your expertise. But how good are you at cleaning your car, mowing your lawn? How good are you at doing your income tax? 
I'm not very good at it. I'll actually have somebody that comes and cuts my lawn for me. Well, hallelujah. And in fact, all the people who say, I'm a lone wolf, I do everything by myself, that's just silly too. Let me give you some examples. If you've ever hired a babysitter, you've delegated parenting. If you've ever ordered a pizza, you've delegated cooking. If you've ever uh, grabbed a cab, you've delegated transportation. If you've ever bought a piece of clothing, you've delegated sewing, you know, the, the manufacturer of that clothing. In fact, every time you exchange money for anything, you're delegating it because you didn't do it by yourself. And so people actually delegate hundreds and hundreds of tasks every single day and then have the pomposity to say they do everything by themselves. No, they don't. They don't at all. What they do by themselves is their core competence. That's what they should do by themselves. But all the other things, answering the mail, tending to the accounts receivable, you know, all that stuff, they're not particularly good at that. And there's all kinds of ways to get that done for free or actually saving money. One of the things I learned when I hired on my even my lawn care uh, professional that takes care of my lawn, you know what, for $25 a week or every two weeks, I can never do the job as good as he can. I know. You know, that's the thing. Is he does the job so much better than I can. I'm free that hour or an hour and a half that I would normally take to cut the lawn to go and do what, yeah, what my core competency is, which is, you know, work on my business, build my business, do marketing campaigns, and, you know, prep for my radio shows and write my books that I write. I had an interesting conversation with a gentleman yesterday, Raymond, and I'm writing a, my third book on uh, IT success stories, interviewing CEOs and presidents of major companies and finding out what they do differently in business and passing on tips and tricks to other professionals that are looking at getting to that level. And one of the guys asked me, he said, Stuart, how do you find all the time to do all this stuff? And he said, it's easy. I have a great team that I delegate day-to-day tasks to. The IT services are taken care of by my employees. The... Uh, Paperwork is all taken care of by my assistant. And even, Raymond, when we organized this show, I dealt with uh, Denise, your assistant. It was great. That's right. And I didn't, it was all taken care of for you. You just had to dial in and pick up the dial in on the time that we had to dial in for the call today. And I think a lot of people miss that picture that I'm going to save myself $25 by cutting the lawn myself, but they miss the opportunities that present themselves uh, if they just took that hour and a half and did something that they're really, really well at or you know, invested that time to read uh, some trade magazines about what they do or, you know, networking or going out and having a coffee with some a business colleague. These are things that, you know, if your core competency is doing something else, I, I'm, I'm totally in agreement with you that, you know, you just delegate all the other stuff that, first, you don't like doing, and secondly, you don't do well. And, uh, you know, I, I wrote down a few notes here. Uh, you mentioned uh, with your mentor that he made you uh, write letters about your debt I was kind of thinking that's kind of like goal setting and uh, writing down goals I learned a good statement the other day is that uh, goal setting that you leave in your mind is just wishful thinking real goal setting is getting it down on paper and we saw the magic of what happened when you wrote those financial goals down on paper and then people held you accountable to results uh, this is where a good mentor and a, even a good peer group surrounding can help you. Is let's touch on goal goal setting. 
uh, Raymond, for a bit here because it kind of digs into the law of attraction. And then I also want to talk about your polar uh, journey too. We'll kind of hit that near the end. Okay. Goal setting. What is, I mean, to get everything to happen in your life the way it, it's meant to be, what should we do with regards to goal setting? How should we do it? What's the best way to do it, maybe in your experience? What, what's worked for you? Well, number one, your client, your listeners are at a huge disadvantage in attempting to write goals because their confidence is in IT. It, That's what you aim it for. Who knows who's listening? It may be IT professionals. could be anybody. And the people who are listening are confident at whatever they're confident at, but they may not be confident at goal setting and goal attainment. And so just attempting to write goals without mentoring is a wrong approach because they'll sit down and use what I call the um technique. They'll say, okay, um, I'm going to write a goal about, um, um, okay, uh, cleaning my garage or running a marathon or whatever they write down. And that's not a good way to decide what your goals are. What I've done is I've divided life into six pathways. And I require my clients to write one goal in each of the six pathways of life every single month. So instead of just grabbing a a goal here and grabbing a goal there and being unbalanced in life because maybe you'll inadvertently choose all your goals in the financial arena, my clients move forward holistically in all six areas of their life. And then the second thing is, once you've chosen a topic to write a goal about, whether it's a good, a good topic or not, let's just say you've chosen a topic to write a goal about, the next thing is, how do you write it? Do you write it in the present tense, the past tense, the future tense? And, and what are the rules about writing goals? Well, my clients don't have to worry about that because I've done something that no other mentor on earth has ever done. I actually have pre-written my clients' goals for them by giving you a template, and all you do is you fill in the blank. The goal is pre-written for you. It's already in the correct tense. It's already worded correctly. And the part that I put in automatically supports the law of attraction so the universe bends on your behalf and delivers the goal to you sometimes without any effort on your own part. You'll be shocked when you write your goals and you look at them at the end of the month to score your success, you'll actually see that sometimes the goal has just appeared on its own, and I call that the goal happens automatically. Well, I have a, I have a good story about that, Raymond, and even, it's, it's so fresh. It happened this week. I did my normal January goal-setting uh, part of the program, right? and in the income section, to summarize, I basically put down I wanted to get new, five new clients this month because that will help uh, build my income. Well, magically, I had five new client calls the first day back to work after New Year's. No. Honest to God. Five. Five new client calls the first day back. Five. Five. Wow. Now, I haven't had the meetings yet, but I had five calls that day. Yeah, that's that's automagical enough, Stuart. And I actually had a deal come through that closed for uh, 15 grand or something like that that I've been working with. Uh, for the last three months, it just happened. The guy just picked up the phone and called me on the first day back and said, "I think we're ready to buy now." Wow! And that was that was a new client, uh, a new client purchase as well. Never bought anything from us in the past, so the system works, Raymond. And I want to give you that feedback. And I like the the way that the goals are 
are framed automatically for us that, you know, a lot of people write goals and they're in the future. You know, we will have X amount of dollars in the bank, uh, you know, but you have to write, I find you have to write the goals that they're in the present tense. Right. That you automatically ha- you have it already. Right. And that seems to work uh, best for you. So uh, you, you're going into your program here, so maybe we could just touch on your program uh, briefly here to give people a taste. I mean, I like the uh, I like the sections that are uh, included in it, but maybe we could just touch on them where some of the areas that your that your goal setting program uh, focuses on. Well, there are six areas of life, and I don't care if you're an IT professional. I don't care if you're an ostrich farmer. It doesn't matter what you are. You're a human being, and there's more to life than just money. So there are six areas of life, and the acronym is mainly M A I. N-L-Y. And my clients write a goal in each of the six areas. The first and possibly the most important area, which your listeners would have never even heard of and would likely not write a goal in in their whole life to do, the first M is cleaning a mess. All my clients every month clean a mess. Could be cleaning their basement, cleaning their tool shed, cleaning a relationship, uh, returning a book or uh, fulfilling a promise that they have that they have been delinquent on, and I'm telling you, when you start cleaning up your messes, whether they're physical messes like your bedroom's a mess, or whether it's a relationship mess, or whether it's a commitment mess, man, do you feel great about yourself. The next goal is a very powerful one; it's the most spiritual one, and that's the A goal is acknowledgement. Every one of my clients acknowledges a group or a person every single month. So it could be acknowledging your clients. It could be acknowledging your prospects. It could be acknowledging your ex-clients, just sending a letter saying how much you enjoyed their business with no cell attached. It could be acknowledging parents, children, co-workers, church members, committee members. Every month you need to acknowledge because what I've noticed is the highest income friends I have spend more time acknowledging than the lowest income friends I have. The next is I, which is increase in wealth. An increase in wealth is anything which has to do with increasing assets, decreasing liabilities, increasing revenue, or decreasing expenses. It could even be things emotional like cutting up some credit cards or lowering the interest rate on a mortgage. Could Anything financial goes in the I category. N is doing something new. Now, IT professionals are typically better capable of doing something new because, my gosh, their world changes visibly every month or two and they have to be doing things new, but most people don't. Most people have been sitting with the same VCR for the last five years and still don't know how it works. Still blinking 12 o'clock, too. And it's still (laughs) blinking 12 o'clock. You'd think think that some manufacturer could solve that problem of not having it blink 12, wouldn't you? You would think. (laughs) My gosh. You know, if I was a... VCR manufacturer, I would create one that is dead simple. It has one big honking mother button that says play. And that's it. That's what most people press. They don't, I mean, of course, there's other things you could do, but most people just want that. Exactly. And so, anyways, let's get back. L is learn. Because most people stop learning when they get out of school. And in this day and age, learning is critical. And then the most wonderful one is why, which is doing something just for yourself. So that could be 
getting a massage, going for a walk, jogging, meditating, um, having a date with your spouse, anything that you really, really want to do just for yourself. So for me, by the way, I just went to a spa for a week at a ski resort area. I didn't ski. I just sat in the hot tub and had massages. It was just spectacular. And sometimes I'll, um, there'll be a few movies that I've wanted to see, and I'll say, okay, this month I'm going to rent these seven movies and watch them, and I just love it. I just do whatever I want as one of my six goal pathways. So we've well, seen that fall short on ourselves. We always seem, we're going to sacrifice an area of our life that seems to be about ourselves. We always seem to sacrifice. And, I mean, it's great. To, even myself, when I'm part of the one month I... Uh, I'm doing something for myself. I said, I'm going to go to Kananaskis and spend the day just uh, hanging out at the lodge at Kananaskis, and it was just a great day, but I did it, and it was fantastic. Yes, and, and now that the 07 has ended, and you're looking back at 07, you probably, Stuart, worked for 2,000 hours, but you can't remember more than a few of those hours. But you remember the day at Kananaskis. Oh, absolutely, yep, for sure. So all those days, all those hundreds of days and thousands of hours, and what you remember is the treat that you gave yourself. Well, it's like an old story a friend of mine told me once, Raymond, was he used to work for a, a big IT company. And I think he was there for a number of years. And the only one memory he has is when he got on the president's list and they took him for a cruise in the Caribbean. Wow. Everything that he did, that's the only thing he remembers. So even as a business owner, those little, you know, little off-topic, but those little things you can do for your for your own staff and people and your clients that create that memory, yeah, is all, they always forget the you know the amount of work that you do and you know, I don't remember some days what I had for lunch the day before, but I always remember those special cherished moments. You know what's funny is I pay my staff well, so let's take a staff member of mine that I pay let's say seventy thousand dollars. Every quarter I distribute a profit sharing. And the profit sharing, some quarters, is not that high because we have seasonality in our business. People don't like to learn in July and August, for example. And then in other months and other quarters, it's high. Well, you know, I gather the staff together and I give them the checks. Even if it's 50 bucks, they go nuts. They're so happy. And I say to myself, I just paid you like $6,000 a month because it comes regularly you you ignore it. You zero it out. You you take it for granted. I give you fifty bucks. You're all over me. It's that it's, little bit It's the extra that always counts. It's very powerful. So all these things that we're talking about help create get the universe in alignment, or you know if you're um, if you want to call it your God or your supreme being, whatever you want to call it, it gets it into alignment and starts delivering things. Raymond, you were very insp- uh, instrumental behind the the secret movie. It was a wonderful movie that uh, Jack Canfield was in, uh, Bob Proctor and a few other individuals. You were kind of behind the scenes, if I understand. Tell me about your experience with uh, working on that movie. Yeah, I wasn't behind the scenes. I was in front of the camera. Oh, okay, great. I'll have to, well, I'll have to watch it next time and make sure I see you then. You won't. I okay. was one of the 50 teachers in the world that Rhonda Byrne chose to be filmed so that she could learn about the secret and make her great film. And the story that I told that she really liked was four minutes long. She only wanted to allocate me one minute, and she couldn't cut the story down to one minute and still keep the excitement in it. And so my contribution ended up on the cutting room floor. 
And that's just how life goes. But at least I was one of the 50 in the world chosen. And others, like T. Harv Eker, a fellow Canadian, Tony Robbins, for example, were not chosen. They didn't even get selected. So I don't feel bad. It would have been fun to be in the movie, but at least I was filmed for it. Well, that's great. But, you, you, okay, so that whole experience and working with it, let's talk about the law of attraction, because uh, that's what the movie's about. And I'm sure there's a lot of people, you know, skeptical thinking going, yeah, this, it's a lot of fairy tale type stuff. It's a lot of BS. You know what, Raymond? It works, and it works magically. Uh, the universe, or God, or your streaming—they deliver when you put the right vibes out there. Exactly, and in fact, the people who say it's BS, they're absolutely right. For them, it doesn't work. And they're are they the usual ones that are, uh, you know, not to downplay anybody, but the ones that are usually broken and and, and big debt problems and and not not having the life that they they want. Is that what you see? That's right. They're the ones who say, that doesn't work, you can't just think something and have it happen. And so they're thinking negative thoughts and they're getting problems in their life, and that proves to them the law of attraction doesn't work. Actually, it proves to them the law of attraction does work. If you think negative thoughts, you'll get crap in your life. Well, it gets back to the same story I told uh, uh, a friend of mine one time about his, his, what, is, what does he want in an ideal client. Well, he keeps telling me what he doesn't want. Well, he keeps getting those type of clients. I said, shift that now and think about the clients that you want and just put that thought out there, change it on your website. You know, we're looking for X, this type of client in this type of industry all, and make all your materials around that and let's see what happens. Well, it's too early to tell what's going on because we only did it about a couple months ago, but I'll bet that he starts getting the clients that he wants just because he starts thinking about he's changed his mind thinking about from what he doesn't want to what he wants. And like even when we're talking about debt accumulation, many people put that as a goal, I will get out of debt. Well, I don't think the universe understands that I want to get out. All they understand is the word debt. That's right. If you say you you want to lose weight, you'll stay fat. If you say you want to stop smoking, you'll keep smoking. If you say you don't want to be an alcoholic, you'll keep drinking. You can't write goals in the negative because the human mind can't concentrate on the absence of something. If I say to your listeners right now, do not think of pink elephants, and if by chance you happen to think of a pink elephant, which I don't want you to do, for sure don't think of pink elephants with purple polka dots on the ears. Well, everyone knows what just happened. We all thought of pink elephants with purple polka dots. On pink elephants. Of all the possibilities on the planet, why did you think of that? I just told you not to. It's because the human mind can't hold the absence of something in contemplation. And so if I really don't want you to think of pink elephants, what I should have said is, imagine a dog sleeping under a tree. And then you would have. And you certainly wouldn't have thought of elephants of any color. That's right. It's like uh, most people, when they have a, a pain in their in their body somewhere, they really don't notice until they start thinking about, you know, I bet if you wear glasses, chances are you're not probably thinking about that you're wearing glasses until I mention the word glasses. Then you think about how they feel on your nose and the, it's on your ears and stuff like that. That's Most a very of the time, you're not thinking, you, if it doesn't draw the attention to it, you're not thinking about it and it's not there in, the, in your conscious mind. It's sitting back there in your unconscious somewhere. You know what? I want to give a gift to your clients. Is that okay? Go ahead, Raymond. Uh, feel free. Okay. I do something really special every single month 
I interview, like you do, like you're interviewing me, I interview some of the most famous people in the world because they're all my friends. I know some of the most famous people in the world, T. Harv Eker, Jack Canfield, Dr. John Gray, Bob Proctor, Mark Victor Hansen, uh, Stephen Covey, I know uh, uh, Robert Kiyosaki, I know some of the most famous people in the world just because that's the circle I hang out in. And I love learning from them. And so I've made it a formal part of my life that every single month I phone and have a one-hour conversation with the most powerful people in the entire world. I make a recording of it, a CD. We edit it so that it's really clean and there's no pauses and ums in it. It's all just really fast and, and edited really, really well. And then we mail it to our subscribers around the world. And I would like to give it as a gift to your listeners at no charge. They can have the first three months for free. Oh, that's wonderful. And it's called Wealth Creator Source because it's the source of my wealth creation. So all they have to do is go on the web to wealthcreatorsource.com and you'll be able to read all the full details and you get the first three months for free and at the end of the three months you can quit if you want and just have three months for free. And if you want to stay, you can, but there's no need to. I'm just giving a gift to your clients if they're interested. Well, that's wonderful, Raymond. I really appreciate that. It's a, a very generous gift. I know that... Uh, I know most of the guys that you're talking uh, about. Uh, I know I'm, I've gone to some of T. Harv Eker's uh, courses. I've, uh, I'm a regular listener of Jack Canfield's work, Mark Victor Hansen's work. So all these guys are wonderful, wonderful gentlemen, uh, beautiful people, and uh, that's a wonderful, generous gift that you have offered. One of the things we haven't talked about, and I didn't plan on talking about, but because you mentioned Jack Canfield that came to light, and it kind of goes in with what you're talking about here, and maybe we could just touch on it briefly. The power of asking. Uh -huh. I blogged about it for the last couple of days on my StuartCrawford.com blog. Right. Is many people sit back and say, you know, I didn't get what I wanted in life. And I stop and say, did you ask for it? <laughs> and No, I didn't think it was. I didn't feel comfortable about asking. Says, you know, Raymond, I would never have got to talk to you today if I didn't ask you to come on my program. That's right. Uh, if you said no... I would have just found somebody else. But you know what? You said yes, and we're, look, we're having a beautiful conversation. Right. What can you talk about uh, the power of asking for what you want in life? Well, there's, I, I'll divide it into two categories for you. One is asking an individual, so a guy asking a girl on a date or an employee asking the boss for a raise or an IT professional asking for a contract, whatever or who has a contract and asks for a bigger one. That's asking another person. But there's another kind of asking that's a little more indirect, and it uses the law of attraction, and that's writing goals down powerfully using a format that really, really works. Because what you're doing there when you're writing the goal down with the deadline, using a really powerful goal-writing technology, what you're doing is you're asking the universe for something for yourself. You don't say, dear universe, give me a bicycle. Well, what you do is you write the goal well, and that has the indirect effect of inviting the universe to bend to deliver to you what you want. And there's all kinds of quotations, 
by famous people that on, are on the topic that once you totally focus on something, you get it. There's a great quote that obstacles are the ugly things you get to see when you take your eye off the goal. You know, you just, just whatever you focus on, that's what you get. If you focus on obstacles, you get obstacles. You focus on goals, you get goals. Like, so many people talk about it. So many people believe it. And yet, there's other people who don't have the lives that they want who don't realize it and who, by not writing goals down, are not basically asking the universe for what they want. Or even worse, what you, the example you gave a few minutes ago, they're, without realizing it, asking the universe for what they don't want. When they tell you, I hate when I have broke clients, I hate when I have clients that can't make up their mind, I hate when I have clients that are in the midst of change so they can't make decisions. The more they keep saying it, that's what they'll find. That's how it all works. On their website, just as you said, I am looking for decisive, well, uh, uh, de- decisive, profitable companies that are looking to dramatically increase their profit run by entrepreneurs who are decisive and like wonderful support. Whoa, put that on your website and on your business card, and someone who ha- is that will say, whoa, that's who I am. I want to work with you. Yeah, that's how it all works for you, and it's a, it's a powerful force out there, and I can't explain how it all works, but it's wonderful. And now we don't get to write on the slate. We just get to read the slate. We yep. came after the universe was created. We just have to read what the laws are because we don't get to create them. And the law of attraction is just one of those laws, and it works like the law of gravity. What allows people to not believe it is that if you jump off a building within several seconds, there's a sudden stop at the bottom which kills you. And you can actually measure the length of time. Well, darn it, with the law of attraction, you can't measure the length of time it takes for the bicycle to show up. But that doesn't mean that it's not a law because some laws don't work on a regular time schedule. Like if you, if you eat properly and exercise properly, then your weight will go down, but nobody can tell you exactly to the ounce what you'll weigh after a week or two weeks or three weeks because it depends on lots of other factors. So just because you can't know the time to the minute doesn't mean it's not a law. That's wonderful. Now, Raymond, we have a full five minutes left. I wanted to get into your polar journey because it, it was a wonderful story. You told it in Calgary here, and you showed some great slides. I think you have some stuff on your blog about it too. Uh, tell me what was the, the motivating factor behind you wanting to do your trip to the North Pole? Well, there was no motivation at all. A lady I know called me up one day. She lives in England, and she said, I'm racing to the North Pole. Do you want to come? I said, okay. I knew nothing, Stuart. I had no idea. Nobody told me when I said, sure, I'll go, that it was a 350-mile foot race in minus 40-degree temperature. The worst day we hit was minus 68. Nobody told me that there was no provisions along the way, that anything I needed I had to haul on a sled behind me, and the sled weighed 100 pounds. No one told me that the ice isn't smooth, the ice is all gnarled up because the ocean doesn't freeze smooth, and when it freezes and it's turbulent, 
you get all these horrible like things that look like broken baby carriages and broken cars that you have to pull yourself over and then pull your 100-pound sled over for 350 miles. Nobody told me all that. Uh, and nobody told me it would cost $60,000. People, she forgot to mention all that. But I, I said, sure, I'll do it. And so I trained for two solid years, and I entered Polar Race just a few months ago, April 2007. It, the race took an entire month from Resolute Bay, the northernmost settlement in North America, north of which there is nothing, not a human being, not a stick, not nothing. And I raced from Resolute Bay, 350 miles due north to the North Pole, and I got there on May 2, 2007, which was way too late. It was dangerously too late. April is the only month you can go to the North Pole because before April, it's, it's almost complete darkness and you run the risk of, of having an accident because you can't see. And after April, there's open water. You got one month. That's it. And the ice conditions were so bad, so treacherous for us, that it took us longer than normal. We didn't get there till May 2nd. My partner fell into the Arctic Ocean because there was open water. It was actually quite scary. As soon as we got there, they flew in a charter plane to whisk us out of there because it was way too dangerous. Now, just uh, for geography, uh, did you go by the, uh, Canadian, the Canadian military uh, base of it? Is that where you stopped? There's no base. There can't be a base. The North Pole is in the Arctic okay. Ocean. I know they have Alert Bay, which is up in that area, too, so I'm not sure geography-wise we're about to finish. But, Raymond, we have like a couple minutes left here. Uh, you know, that's just a good story, but if you put your mind to what you want and focus on the end goal, you'll get there. Absolutely. That's what I said to myself every minute of the day. I'm, I was 62 years old when I got to the North Pole, one of the oldest people ever get to get to the... In fact, listen to this. 5,000 people have broken the four-minute mile. 2,000 people have stood on the top of Everest. But only a few dozen people in all of history have ever been to the North Pole by foot, and I'm one of them. I did Wonderful. it at age 62. Wonderful. Anyway, I'm inspired by what you're talking about. I'm sure a lot of other people uh, listening live or downloading it uh, later on on their uh, via iTunes or whatever are inspired. If we they want to learn get more about my goal-setting program, it's called monthlymentor.com. Monthlymentor.com. And if they want my gift of interviews three months in a row with some of the most powerful people in the world, recognizable names that they'll know, just go to wealthcreatorsource.com and, um, and they can get the first three months for free. That's wonderful, Raymond. I want to thank you for taking time out of your day to come and talk to us on uh, the Small Business IT Radio Show. And we wish you a very, very good 2008. Thank you. And for those listening, we're join us next week. We're going to have... Bit switch back over to the technical side. We're going to talk with Dell Canada about their new Partner Direct program and their small business focus for 2008. And we've got some wonderful programs coming up. Let's go to small, uh, blogtalkradio.com slash SMB for more information. And we'll look forward to talking with you again next week. Thank you. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? 
they're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.